The Darkhives are a collection of the paranormal, the occult, the unusual, and the strange tales from all around this world and others. This podcast contains mature themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dark Ives podcast. This is file number six. If you want to be looking over your shoulder for the rest of the night, then you came to the right place. Today, we will be talking about the batshit craziest ghost story I've ever heard before. The story of the Bell Witch. The only ghost that has ever been found guilty of murder. The power of the Bell Witch was so strong, she sent an American president running in fear. I've been wanting to cover an isolated haunting story for a while, and this is the perfect place to start. This has been described as the greatest American ghost story. But before we creep up on the topic of this episode, I would ask that you reach out to me on social media. You can find The Dark Ives on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok with username at The Dark Ives Cast. And you can also check out thedarkives.com where my episodes will also be posted. I have also placed timestamps for each section of this episode in the show description. The haunting of the Bell Witch happened in what is now called Adams, Tennessee, in what was then called Red River. Robertson County, where the town lies, isn't technically in the Appalachian Mountains, but it is Appalachian adjacent. And this is a very rural town in Tennessee today. The population is only 634. Along the Red River sat the log house of the Bell family. John Bell, the father, had moved them from North Carolina 13 years prior. The year is 1817. John and his wife Lucy have six children together. John owns 328 acres of farmland there, and life is good. One day, when John is inspecting his cornfield, he sees a strange animal. What he described as a beast with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit is standing there in the corn. John shot at the creature multiple times, but it just vanished into thin air. Not knowing what to think about it, he continued his day. That night, however... The family would begin to hear unusual beating sounds on the walls outside of their home. The sounds would continue each and every night following. It got louder and more violent every night, but no guilty party was ever caught or found. Then the children would begin to complain that their blankets and pillows were being pulled off of them and thrown around the room. They were complaining that they had heard rats gnawing and scratching at the posts of their bed. The bells would begin to hear a distant, disembodied voice. It was never loud enough to be understood, but it manifested as what was described as the voice of a feeble old woman singing hymns. Spooky stuff. But then it begins to get physical. John and Lucy's youngest daughter, Betsy, was not liked by the entity. Betty would be slapped and hit by an unseen force, leaving bruises and knots all over her body. And with each passing day, the voice of the ghost became louder and more clear. The voice was known to sing hymns, quote scripture, and would even begin to call the family members by name and have entire conversations with them. One day the voice declared that it hated John and wanted to kill him because, and I quote from a ghost, Mr. Bell is a bad man. 
John wanted to reach out to his community for help, but he was afraid to ask for it from his church because he believed they might think that he and his family were witches. So instead, he confided in his friend James Johnston. James was unconvinced, so he requested to stay a night at the Bell House. That night, he and his wife slept over at the Bell's home. Their blankets were ripped from the bed, their pillows were thrown around the room, and James was even slapped in the face by an invisible presence. He asked the spirit what it wanted, to no response. But the paranormal activity stopped, and the next morning he told John that whatever was in the house was an evil spirit, and I quote, the kind the Bible talks about. So James convinced John to share the news of his haunting to their preacher and to the rest of their community. And as word traveled around the town, the stronger the spirit seemed to become. They were all giving it power by talking about it. Many people would go near the house and try to interact with the spirit, and many would make contact and conversation with the ghosts. The story of this ghost even spread to Nashville, where future president Andrew Jackson was. He took an interest in the haunting and decided to take some of his men to the home to see for himself. At the time, he was a major general. Three of John Bell's sons had actually served under him at the Battle of New Orleans. He approached the home of the Bell family. Multiple soldiers came with a horse-drawn wagon, but when attempting to cross the property line, their wagon stopped moving. The soldiers thought it was stuck in the ground, and after a few moments of them attempting to move the wheel, Jackson proclaimed that it was the work of the witch. A female voice was then heard. The voice allowed Jackson to cross into the land, but said that they would meet again later that night. So Jackson and his men set up camp in the Bell's yard. After many boring hours, one of the soldiers mockingly called himself a witch tamer. He pulled out his revolver, claiming that his silver bullet would kill the witch. And immediately after this, he began to fall to the ground convulsing. The unseen entity forced him off the Bell's land, and the voice proclaimed that there was another fraud amongst the men, and that she would reveal who it was in the morning. Andrew Jackson's men begged him to leave after what had happened. He wanted to see it out and stay so he could learn who the other fraud was. This was never revealed, however, and Jackson and his men quickly evacuated the camp before sunrise the next morning. Jackson would go on to say that he would rather go up against all of the British forces than to spend another night with the Bell Witch. Over time, Betsy Bell became interested in a man named Joshua Gardner who lived in their community. With the blessings of their parents, they decided to marry. And when they courted on her property, Betsy and Joshua could not go to the river, the fields, or the cave to play without the entity nagging them. The constant pressure was more than Betsy Bell could handle, and on Easter Monday of 1821, she met Joshua at the river and broke off their engagement. The disturbances decreased after Betsy and Joshua's engagement ended. And although the spirit did not seem to like John Bell or their daughter Betsy, apparently the ghost was very fond of John Bell's wife Lucy, and even said that she was the most perfect woman to ever walk the earth. She would often give her gifts of fresh fruit on the table that weren't there the night before. But the entity continued to express disdain for John Bell, relentlessly vowing to kill him. Bell had been experiencing episodes of twitching in his face and difficulty swallowing for almost a year, and the malady grew worse with time. 
By the fall of 1820, his declining health had confined him to the house, where the malicious entity continuously removed his shoes when he tried to walk and slapped his face when he recovered from his numerous seizures. Her shrill voice was heard all over the farm, cursing and chastising old Jack Bell, the nickname she had given him. John Bell breathed his last breath on the morning of December 20th, 1820, after slipping into a coma a day earlier. Immediately after his death, his family found a vial of strange black liquid in the cupboard. Their son John Jr. sprinkled two drops on the cat's tongue. The cat jumped into the air, rolled over in midair, and was dead when it hit the floor. The voice of the ghost then exclaimed, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. John Jr. tossed the mysterious vial into the fireplace. It burst into a bright blue flame and shot up the chimney. That is crazy. In April of 1821, shortly after Betsy Bell had broken off her engagement, the ghost had visited John Bell's widow, Lucy Bell, and told her it was leaving, but would return in seven years. The ghost returned in 1828 as promised. Most of the return visits centered on John Bell Jr., with whom the entity discussed the origin of life, civilizations, Christianity, and the need for a major spiritual reawakening. Of particular significance were its predictions of the Civil War and other major events, some of which she did not get correct. The ghost bade farewell after three weeks, promising to visit John Bell's most direct descendant in 107 years. That would be 1935. And the closest living direct descendant at the time was Nashville physician Dr. Charles Bailey Bell, a neurologist and John Bell Sr.'s great-grandson. In 1934, Dr. Bell published a book about the Bell Witch, likely to raise awareness of the spirit's impending return. The book contains the first ever account of the alleged conferences between the entity and John Bell Jr. in 1828. The author's father, Dr. Joel Thomas Bell, had allegedly taken notes during the conferences and upon his death passed them down to him. Dr. Bell published no follow-up to his 1934 book. He died in 1945 and is buried at Bellwood Cemetery in Adams, Tennessee. Well, this ended up being a shorter episode than usual, but this is an unusual ghost story. You never really hear about a ghost actually killing somebody. Many people say the land is still haunted, and it's one tourist attraction I would love to go see. And Andrew Jackson, even though he may not be the best person, he seems like a pretty credible reference. A lot of my information for this case came from bellwitch.org, which has a whole lot more information if you want to learn more. If you would like more content or to hear about future episodes, feel free to reach out to me on my TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram with username at the Dark Ives Cast. Don't forget to click follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to and leave a review of my show. It really helps grow the podcast and helps me connect with my listeners so I can continue to put out as much quality content as I can. Let me know what creepy things you'd like to hear covered and if you have your own personal paranormal story, I'd love to hear that as well. That is all I have for you today, so until next time, cover your windows, lock your doors, and I'll see you on the other side.